0: Today is October 31st. That's right, it's Halloween. And the highway, where I am, is a horror show. And so, let's take a few minutes out of your day and mine to talk about role-playing games. Because if I'm going to die because of the crazy antics of insane drivers on a madhouse highway, I want to do it talking about something I love. It's October. Here in Korea, that means that the leaves are changing, that the sky seems higher, that the sky itself seems supported by the snaggle snaggletooth mountains that are all around. The air wavers between being comfortably warm and comfortably chilly. It's probably my favorite time of year in Korea. Now, when I first moved to the part of Korea where I'm living now, a city by the name of Nonsan, I thought I knew what it meant Uh, It's a large, unusually flat area uh, filled with farms, particularly rice farms. It's, you know, the rice belt of Korea, really. And the name basically suggests Rice Mountain. I didn't give it another thought. And that's how it's lovingly referred to by, by locals. But I have discovered this year by digging into the Chinese roots of the words used for place names, which aren't always accurate. Sometimes they were chosen just for sound uh, rather than for meaning, but uh, in some cases, for some places, uh, the connections between the Korean language and the Chinese uh, language of the period uh, and the region are... You know, they cooperate well enough to to work together, and so it turns out that the city in which I live is actually, it has a much cooler name than I thought, and so what it really means, the the second part, the San part, uh, still refers to mountains as I had thought, but it's... I really want to translate it thusly, a moot of mountains. I like it for the alliterative uh, qualities. A moot of mountains. It means a place where the mountains come together to converse. (laughs) I think that's, that's just fantastic. So, it's October, and the Halloween season is in the air. It's All Hallows' Eve brink of All Saints Day, and the mountains have gathered together to have a conversation. And I'm going to share part of it with you in this episode, and we will talk about, I think we'll do a little bit of OctoSR. this episode will have two segments. This segment is the first. It's a recap. The second will be maybe more useful for those who are fully invested and engaged and involved in OSR-related or old-school-related play. So first, a recap of sorts about our Call of Cthulhu campaign. Now, we're playing the 6th edition of Call of Cthulhu, which makes it not terribly different, mechanically speaking, from the 1st edition of Call of Cthulhu, which came out in 1981, so is as old school as anything else. (laughs) So that's why I'm sharing this today. We have our campaign set in Boston, of 1931 in the month of November. So anyone who's lived on the East Coast knows that you can expect anything from near-summer temperatures to, you know, mid-winter temperatures in November. And so, we begin with our cub reporter Character Terence McSweeney, played by Ivan, who runs the Ivan Mike 1968 YouTube channel, being sent by his editor at the Boston Post to connect with an old contact and high school friend of his, a private detective who's often in the newspapers related to salacious and scandalous activities. This time, he's connected to a wealthy socialite who is somewhat mysterious, and to whom some strange things have happened. Possibly a robbery, which he refused to report to the police, Uh, auctioning off of family heirlooms in a secret hush-hush kind of auction, which was itself burgled, and again the police were not involved. What's going on? What's the backstory? What can we find out? So Terrence is dispatched to make use of his contact and try to see if there's a story in it. What he discovered rattled him. He found his friend injured and unconscious, and he found signs of an abduction. But he also found things which pushed him, which tested his understanding of what could and could not happen. And so, rather than be thought of as crazy, or to find himself complicit in some sort of mutilation or abduction, he called another contact, a true crime reporter named Callum McGinnis played by someone that those of you who are listening to this show probably know pretty well. Joe Richter of the Hindsightless podcast. So the two of them documented the evidence and recognized that time was of the essence in figuring out what was going on and that if either of them wanted to be paid, and this is the start of winter, during the Great Depression, if either of them wanted to be paid, they really needed to know more of what was going on in this story, and they certainly couldn't afford uh, to get embroiled in a flat-footed investigation of how did this foot get embedded in the wall, and where is its owner? questions that they already knew they couldn't answer. And so, racing against time, they decided to check out the local docks, thinking that there might be some gangland involvement in what has gone on. So taking their concussed and bleeding P.I. companion with them, they headed out to the docks, where they were rebuffed from the warehouse they wanted to enter, so decided they were going to try an alternate and more stealthy route, where they were abducted. After a brief struggle, which ended in a loss of consciousness, which has yet to be explained, the pair found themselves inside the warehouse, but that it was empty of goods, and that they were spread-eagled inside some sort of occult or ritualistic circles. There were four circles, one for each of them, and one for each of these two other emaciated and withered-looking individuals. Their chests had been scarred ritually, covered in wax. As they came to, as they got to their senses, they recognized that one of the figures with them was dead, and the other was close to death. But when the dead one rose up, and the near-dead one was gasping and clawing at them, speaking of his hunger, they decided that Discretion was the better part of valor, and they retreated from the scene, but not without being confronted by a guard left behind, who had an envelope for them. The details of the night began to fragment and distort the impossibilities piled up on top of impossibilities, piled up on top of impossibilities, were beginning to wear on them. Terrence McSweeney, the Cub reporter, keeps hearing noises that he knows aren't there, a chewing, grinding, papery sound. Both of them, Callum and Terrence, hearing an echoing, distant, yet close, dragging, shuffling footstep that they can't quite place. And then there are the other more physical facts of the case. How did the missing man's torn foot wind up embedded in old plaster that clearly had not been redone? How did the pages inside this family heirloom occult tome. How did they start to grow back, and should they believe that the blood spatter from their PI friend is what's feeding the cover of the book to regrow its torn pages? Are the original pages with the abducted socialite? desperation, they decided to recruit another confidant to their circle. Before dawn cut its way across an iced over Boston, they roused Albert Smalls, a local antiquarian and antique dealer. They begged him to examine the book hopefully provide them with enough clues that they'd be able to at least extricate themselves with the situation from the police, but hopefully wind up in a position where they could still get paid and not be in trouble. (laughs) Through this investigation, they learned that this was a book written in Latin, and... While they do not know its contents, they have a definite sense that this book is on dark subjects and is in some way notes or memories left behind by one Ludwig Prin, crusader and traveler. This book is called Mysteries of the Worm." Part two of this episode deals with a product description, or dare I say, recommendation. I haven't been involved in all that many OSR products, but I was involved with one. It's a number of years ago now, but I think it stands the test of time in a way that really good supplements do. This was put together by... An internet friend of mine from back from the RPG Brigade days, Tim Samwise7 Harper. And the product is called Mercanto's Lair. Now, my involvement was minor, I was one of the proofreaders on the project. Mercanto's Lair is a horror. ...themed, somewhat bleak, fascinating dungeon experience. It embraces the concepts of the mythic underworld. It pits those who enter into it against challenges, against traps, against horrific creatures... Horrific situations, it gives them an opportunity to consider the past, the present, and the future. It is both mundane in its perils and magical. The PDF itself is very thematic, Stygian in its darkness and suggestive of madness was put together by another friend, Andre Martinez, I think that, you know, if you're looking for a bit of Halloween D&D fun, regardless of which version of old-school Dungeons & Dragons you embrace, or, you know, similar product, maybe even Palladium Fantasy, if, if you are so bold, and have had the great pleasure of exploring that game. You could probably make easy use of this without a lot of preparation. All the heavy lifting has been done. Uh, It's a well-organized presentation of a site. And while it's too much for one evening, it's definitely something that would match with a Halloween game. (laughs) <laughs> or pretty much any bleak gray day in winter. Um, the title, again, is Mercanto's Layer. That's M-U-R-C-A-N-T-O. Right? And it's by Tim Samway7 Harper. It's available on Drive-Thru RPG and maybe some other places that I'm not aware of. I'll have a link for it in the show notes. But if you have run it or at least read it, I would love to hear from you what your reactions were and uh, and how you made use of it or how it has uh, inspired or given you thoughts about other things. That would be very cool to hear. Anyway. Sharp-eared listeners will recognize that so far we haven't been talking about immersion and engagement in role-playing games, and that's so maybe, possibly, my promise that this episode would be about that, well, something's gone awry with it, and you would be absolutely correct. I wasn't sure how much response I would get uh, from the listening audience on that topic, but I got enough, and some of it is quite involved, or quite long, or quite detailed, or, you know, deserves a lot of attention, and so what I had intended as being, you know, just one episode seems much too long to be one episode, And so I'm in the process now of, of figuring out exactly how to present it in multiple stages that uh, is good for the listener and is good for the caller and, you know, is good for me. So that's what's going on with that. I also am recording it at home rather than in the car, and you know that slows down uh, production. Anyway, so we're going to close out this episode with a call in that's not about that topic specifically, but it uh, has some very kind words, and I really appreciate that. The call comes from Jason Hobbs, who we think of as original Jason, thanks to the Nerds RPG Variety Cast theme song, which tells us that Jason Connerly is the other Jason. <laughs> so, I'll close out the show with these words from Hobbs and his very helpful feedback, reminding me of, well, you'll see.
1: Hey, Anthony, it's Hobbs. So many uh, great things in your most recent episode. I really enjoyed Dark Fluid's call and uh, the response from Aloy and uh the the talk about ubiquity i'm i'm really interested and curious i remember seeing this uh a few years ago at least on drive through and wondering what it was all about love to uh play in a game ran by a master who has map system mastery that would be cool because i really like the uh that sort of thing not system mastery but the games that you've mentioned concerning uh ubiquity. Uh, I also wanted to thank you for um, the eloquent and well thought out calls into my show, Random Screed. So once again I appreciate and thank you for that. Um, if I could give any feedback to you whatsoever, it would be shorter episodes because your episodes are so dense that It almost might take multiple listens to really comprehend what's going on, and I probably will not do a multiple listen. (laughs) I know that sounds terrible. Anyway, thanks, my man, for uh, the things that you do. Much appreciated. Be good, brother. Thanks for that
0: call, Jason. I really appreciate the kind words, and I really appreciate the constructive feedback. It's something of a running joke on the YouTube channel, and it used to be something of a running joke on the written blog, about my relationship with the words, soon, as in, I'll do that soon, and brief, as in, this will be brief. OSR is manufactured and distributed by the Down in a Heap Cheese and Delectables Consortium, creators of the Thundar the Barbarian Memorial Scholarship Fund. Please use as directed to build community spirit and celebrate old school gaming. been listening to the casting shadows podcast now on spotify whether we like it or not if you are so motivated as to want to call in about the content of this episode or any of the previous ones please consider contacting me via speakpipe at the casting shadows podcast other ways to contact me are in the show notes